We thank God for giving us an opportunity to worship him today in spirit and in truth. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm so excited about this Christmas season. I think that there is still hope uh, because Jesus was born, Jesus lives, and we thank God for the birth and the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In this time of the season, it's, it's time to make much of the life and the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, if people ever need hope, they need it right now. And so we just thank God for this, this time to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, I never take it lightly that God has given you and me an opportunity to worship him today. And I also just want to thank Pastor George for just giving me this opportunity to, uh, to be his preaching partner in this series, All Things Made New. And uh, God is taking us somewhere. And uh, this series on Revelation is a very appropriate book because uh, during this season, uh, Revelation gives us hope, especially chapter 21, 22, gives us a s profound sense of hope, something to look forward to. And so today I want to uh, just preach from uh, this topic, the tribulation and the tree. I want to look at Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 7. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the angels showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, on either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. For the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Uh, what a beautiful uh, hope that we, we have in Jesus Christ and what we, a beautiful thing to look forward to. And when we really think about uh, Revelation chapter 22, it's really about God dwelling with his people. Uh, God is dwelling, wants to dwell with us. And I want to just kind of take a look at this, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see John has an angel as his heavenly tour guide. And the angel showed him the main attraction of that great heavenly city. John began to notice that this was no ordinary river, this river of life. And we're going to talk about this river of life and the biblical theme and the importance of this river of life. It, is, it was so bright that it sparkled like 
crystals as he gazed intently in a state of awe. And I can only imagine John was trying to take it all in as he began to see this heavenly city and begin to try to paint a picture to, to help us to see what he sees. And as he began to describe what he was seeing, he noticed that the water of life was no ordinary water. It was flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, there are a couple of things I want us to notice as we look at this passage. There are a few principles that I want to highlight, and I'm going to have to take some shortcuts because this, this uh, verses 1 through 7 is, is loaded with biblical imagery, and so we're going to have to take a, a shortcut and summarize some of what John is saying here uh, because it, it really points to all of this symbolism points to a greater reality that we have to look forward to as the people and as the children of God. First of all, this, and this is my first point, first of all, there is only one source of life. There's only one source of life. Uh, if you look at verse 1, he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Just notice where this, this river of life, this, this water of life is flowing from. And uh, of course, when we look at this passage, it, 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 it's really referring to uh, the biblical theme is coming from Genesis. So we see Genesis and Revelation that serve as the bookends uh, to where God is taking us. Uh, Genesis, we see that uh, we lost a lot in Genesis, that we, because of the fallenness of Adam and, and Eve, uh, a lot of things were lost. Our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship to the ground. And then when we get to Genesis, everything that was lost in Genesis was restored in Revelation. And, and so God is taking us somewhere. And so when we look at this passage, the first thing I want us to notice is that uh, there's only one source of life, this theme, the, the throne of God and of the Lamb, and this river of the water of life uh, implies that this, the source from which this water is coming from, it's not from a mountain behind the throne, it's not coming from any kind of ocean or sea, it's coming from God. It's coming from the throne of God. And I think this, this speaks to us in the here and now because when we look at this, this imagery, this, this theme that's coming out of Revelation, John is looking at New Jerusalem. He's looking at the city. He's on a tour guide. And the angel takes John to the main attraction of the city. It's like someone who's saying, you know, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Let me take you to the main attraction of the city. And so he shows him this water, this river of life, and, and he shows the throne of God and of the Lamb. And one of the things that, you, that we will notice when we go through uh, Revelation 22, and all, it, it actually, the New Jerusalem starts to show up, and John uh, is being, being taken through this, this guy, by this tour guide through New Jerusalem he begins to point out what's not there as opposed to what's there. He says in chapter 21, verse 4, there's no death in the New Jerusalem. 
so there, 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 there's no need for funeral homes. There's no need for mortuaries. There's, there's even no need for cemeteries. There's no death there. There's no tears or mourning or crying. You won't ever have to cry in the New Jerusalem. There's no mourning and no crying in the New Jerusalem in 21.4. In 21.8, it says there's no evil, unclean, or accursed things or persons. So no evil will make its way into the New Jerusalem, into the new city. And then here's the thing, that there's no sea there. No sea. Can you imagine? No ocean, no, no sea, no Puget Sound, uh, none of that there. Uh, th there's no need for that there. And then no temple, no sanctuaries, no churches, because its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Because you have to understand that the temple is just a signpost that points to a greater reality. Uh, that when we look at the temple, when we look at these things, uh, when we look at the sanctuary, when we look at the church, it, it's just a signpost until the real thing shows up. And when we're in the presence of God, the God, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, we don't, we don't need the temple. All we need is the presence of God Almighty and of the Lamb. And this, this is the thing that really got me, that there's no sun, no moon, or other luminaries, and yet there's no night in the new city, in the new Jerusalem. Can you imagine waking up in the morning, and I'm so used to seeing, well, here in Seattle, sometimes I'm more used to seeing clouds than, than sun. But can you imagine waking up and there's no sunrise, but God the Father has provided the light. He, he is the light. God the Father and God the Son, are they're the light. So there's no, no, no need for the sun, no moon, no luminaries, yet no, no night. So there's no night. We don't have to worry about the night and worry about whatever, uh, whatever's going on at nighttime. And so here's, here's the thing. And then here's the other thing. No closed gates. When we look at the 12 gates to the New Jerusalem, all the gates are open. And this implies that God gives, is giving access. Uh, there's, there's, no, no, there, there's no need for protection. Uh, no gates. I, I can remember growing up and my grandmother always kept a screen door open. She didn't have the latch on. Uh, and that's partly because we lived around family and friends and everybody knew us. And we trusted the community we lived in and the community trusted us. And so there, there, there was no, no need for my grandmother to, to lock the screen door. So here it says no closed gates. God is giving access, everyone, uh, access to the new Jerusalem. So we have to understand that there's only one source. All of these things implies that there's only one source to life, and that is the throne of God and of the Lamb. And I think in this in this day and age, we get our source and our resources mixed up. Sometimes we treat our resources like they are the source. The home that we live in, the car that we drive, uh, the career that God has entrusted to us, the jobs that we have, all of the possessions of life, sometimes we treat them like they are the source. But if God didn't wake you up in the morning, you wouldn't be able to enjoy your resources. 
God didn't wake you up in the morning, you wouldn't be able to enjoy the food that you have in that refrigerator. You wouldn't be able to drive that nice car. So really, brothers and sisters, God is the source from whom all blessings flow. And we've got to be in the business of worshiping the giver more than we worship the gifts. And so this is what John wants us to understand. And I like the way N.T. Wright explains this. He talks about uh, having gone to uh, a hotel and, and the, oh, the hotel is being remodeled and there's scaffolding all around the hotel. But the, the scaffolding is temporary that eventually the scaffolding will come down when it has served its purpose in remodeling the outside of the hotel. But I think what, and what N.T. Wright is saying is sometimes we get fixated on the scaffolding and not looking at the real thing. This text seems to imply that the sun, the moon is really scaffolding. The sea is, is scaffolding, the temple is, is scaffolding, and eventually those things will be removed so that we can see the real thing, which is Jesus Christ. And this is, and this is what we have to understand today. We, have to, we can't get our, our resources mixed up with our source. Secondly, there is only one true healer, one true healer. Let's look at another image or biblical theme in, in, in this passage, verse 2, basically tells us uh, through the middle of the street of the city on either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So John begins to Notice something about this particular tree, this tree of life. And here's another biblical theme that we see in Genesis, and also we see it in Revelation. Uh, we, we remember that in Genesis that Adam and Eve could not partake of the tree of life because they were in a fallen state. And, 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 and so God says, no, you, he, he pushes them out of the garden. But here in Revelation, we see the tree of life once again. Here's what John notices, notices about this tree, is that the tree has all kinds of fruit on the tree. Can you imagine looking at a tree and it has oranges on it? It has apples and pears and blueberries and raspberries and blackberries all on the same tree. And the, the beauty of it is that, as in Genesis, when God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden that he put a fence, a barrier around the tree of life. But here in New Jerusalem, uh, the tree is open for all to pick from. It's available. Uh, it's available, available to the rich and the poor. It's available to all in this new Jerusalem. And, and what a, a, a beautiful thing. But here, here's the other thing. He says that the let alone the, the fruit, but the, the leaves are for the healing of the nations, which implies that uh, the nations, the kings, have access to it. But here's the other thing. When they come into the New Jerusalem, uh, it says that no evil will come in. So it must mean that, that the kings or the nations will have come to some understanding of who God is and Jesus is before they can even come into the city. 
So there, there, there's, there, there's, some, uh, there's some understanding here that, that this doesn't imply universalism. It, it implies that the person who comes in the city, their name must be in the Lamb's book of life. But it points to the reality, these leaves point to the reality that there's only one true healer, and that is the Lamb. That, that, that no one enters the city without uh, being impacted by the Lamb and, and, and the role that the Lamb plays in each and every one of our lives. So there's only one true healer, and that is Jesus Christ. Says nothing a curse will be found there anymore. Anything under the curse, anything evil will be found there. But here's the other thing I want us to notice here is that this, this phrase, the, the throne of God and of the Lamb. The throne of God and of the Lamb. We, we find this relationship between the throne of the God and the Lamb. I begin to ask myself the question, what is this, this concept of the throne? Of the, why is the Lamb being used rather than the son. Why is the, the, the phrase, the word lamb being used rather than Jesus Christ? Why is the phrase, the lamb being used rather than Christ or, or the Messiah? And, and what we will notice in, in, in Revelation is the word lamb is used 28 times. And whenever something is mentioned that many times, we better pay particular attention to it. And it, it implies that this, this word lamb, and, and we find here that when, whenever we think of lamb, we usually think of something weak, of a weak animal, an animal that is defenseless. But here in, in Revelation, it, it, he has power. Uh, that he, he has power. The lamb that was slain in Revelation 5.12, it says that he has power, he has wisdom, he, he has righteousness, he has wealth, uh, he has power and glory and might. And so this lamb is, is, this is being used in the sense that God is elevating a weak image and empowering it. That through the lamb... Salvation came through the Lamb, atonement came, that through the Lamb of God, uh, that God saved us and drew us into this new Jerusalem and transformed us. And so because of this Lamb, as, as uh, Michael Gorman calls it, he, he calls it Lamb power, that, that, that this Lamb has power. So there's only one true healer. Thirdly, there is only one home. There's only one home. And here's the thing. The new Jerusalem is God's alternative to Rome's empire. And see, the early church needed to hear this. They needed to know that the new Jerusalem is just around the corner and that it's God's alternative to the Roman empire because they are under persecution for their faith. And as John comes out of this vision that God shares with him, and he shares this letter with the seven churches, he wants to give them hope in the midst of persecution. He wants to give them a profound sense of hope in the, in the midst of all that they're going through. And so the New Jerusalem is God's alternative to Rome's empire. 
It's, it's, it's alternative, and, and, and it's all our, our alternative as well as Christians in the 21st century that the New Jerusalem, that we are citizens now of the New Jerusalem. That we don't have to wait till we get there, but God wants us to model the behavior that's in keeping with the new city now before we get there. Because we, we have to understand that we are citizens of two places. We are citizens of, of the New Jerusalem first and citizens of the earth second. But our heavenly citizenship should dictate how we operate on earth and not the other way around. And so uh, there's only one home for us as, as Christians. And here's the thing. When we think about the New Jerusalem and we look at Revelation that we, we begin to notice, and this is what Michael Gorman talks about in his book when about reading Revelation responsibly. He says that the culture of the beast has been replaced by the culture of the lamb. That's good news. The, the, the beast is, is Babylon. The beast is, is, is the Antichrist, and that the culture of the beast has been replaced by the culture of the lamb, Jesus Christ. The culture of death by a culture of life. It's been replaced. There's no death in the New Jerusalem. There's only life there. A culture of insecurity and fear has been replaced by a culture of trust and security. A culture of violence, and this is what I've added in addition to what Michael Gorman has said, that a culture of violence has been replaced by a culture of peace. As we look, especially here in, in 2020, we have seen violence uh, like never before. We've seen riots. We've seen protests. We've seen all kinds of destruction in, 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 in the United States and, and really in, all over the world. We've seen violence and we see perpetual violence. But in this new Jerusalem, there's no violence there. It's been replaced by a culture of peace. A culture of hatred has been replaced by a cultural love. There's no hatred there in the New Jerusalem. And no haters will be in Jerusalem. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's only a culture of love there. And then a culture of individualism has been replaced by a culture of community and hospitality. There, there, there's no individualism. There's no person in the New Jerusalem who say, I got mine, now you get yours. But everyone in New Jerusalem is looking out for one another. So there's a culture of community and hospitality in that new city. And a culture of poverty has been replaced by a culture of plenty. In other words, there's so much there. There's plenty in New Jerusalem. There's, there's a lot on the tree of life, and there's no homelessness in, in encampments in the New Jerusalem. There's a home and a mansion for everybody whose name, who's been written in the Lamb's book of life. That's good news, and this is what John wants the, the early church to understand. He wants them to look forward to this, and he wants them to live in light of that, and such is the case with us. That even in this culture of poverty that we live in, that we as Christians must perpetuate a culture of plenty. In other words, God has called us not to be cul-de-sacs of the blessings he's given us, but he wants us to be conduits of the blessings 
in the things that he has given us. And when I thought about this passage, I, my, 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 as I began to imagine and begin to see what John saw. I began to see that new Jerusalem. But the thing that it reminded me of was when I was growing up as a kid, and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, you know, my grandmother's house. And as I was growing up as a kid, I would, I would always look, for, look forward to when grandmother would say, come eat. Uh, when I would be outside in the blistering heat of Georgia, in Georgia, outside playing basketball, shooting hoops around my grandmother's house, and my granddad would be out in the garden tilling the field and planting something, sweet potatoes or whatever he loved to plant. And, and we would be outside and my grandmother would never let me come in until it was time to eat. And, and I would be outside shooting baskets, be outside playing with my cousin, outside playing with friends. And around 5.30, I would always look for grandmother to, to swing open that screen door. And I would listen for her to say, Aaron, come eat. And that was, a, that, was a, that was the sound of music to me. That was a joy to me that I would get to come into the house and sit at the table with my grandmother and my grandfather and begin to sup with them. And, and grandmother, would, when she said, come eat, it made me feel better. It made me feel joyous. And, and when I thought about that, I said, you know, that's how it's going to be when Jesus comes back. Jesus, in his own way, is going to say to each and every one of us, Come eat. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day when the Savior says, come eat. I, I look forward to that day when the throne of God and of the Lamb of God and the Lamb and, and we'll be able to see God face to face. Is what this passage is telling us. I, I look forward to that day when there will be no more violence, no more hatred, no more individualism, no more poverty, no more evil. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to that day more and more. I'm longing for that new Jerusalem. And I'm so glad that the Lamb and the throne of God, they're preparing a place for us. I'm so glad today that that the new Jerusalem is just around the corner, just as they thought in the book of Revelation. It's, it's, it's just around the corner. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, and, and I want to speak specific, specifically to those of you who Jesus is, is reaching out to you. He's trying to draw you to himself. And you've been dating Jesus and, and you, you don't want to settle down with him. You've just been dating him, and you've been whining and dining Jesus, but you haven't really made a commitment to him. And you know that it's Jesus pulling on your heartstrings and trying to draw you to himself. I want to encourage you today to make Jesus your choice. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There are some spiritual advisors who are going to be waiting for you, and they want to walk with you. Because it, it, it takes a church to raise a Christian. It, it, it takes a community. And, and, and I want you to consider Jesus today and make that decision. Don't keep Jesus waiting. He wants to settle down with you. This is what this passage is, is about. God wants to dwell with his people in the new Jerusalem. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the throne of God and of the Lamb. We thank you, Lord, for the river of life. 
thank you for the tree of life, dear God. And we thank you for these images that point to a greater reality. That Jesus is the source, that he's our Savior. He's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He is the lamb of God. And Lord, we thank you for him. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray.